Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Troy, a dear friend of mine who has come a long way in how he relates to himself. Enjoy. Hey, Troy. So nice that you're here. <laughs> Hello, dear. It's wonderful to be here. Mm. So um, for a bit of context, Troy and I met, I don't remember exactly, I think it was four or five years ago. And quite quickly, we understood that we had a special connection, some kind of understanding and some kind of curiosity about each other. And so we not only stayed in touch, but became good friends, I think. And then we also started working together on, on some things and it took us a while to figure out what exactly it was that we wanted to work on. But so nowadays, uh, Troy is the managing director of Factoria Designs and um, still a very good friend that I talk a lot with about relating to self and other related subjects. <laughs> so uh, thank you for being here, Troy. Is there anything you would like to say about how we met and who am I to you? Mm. A beautiful invitation. Yeah. I, I remember distinctly. I had never met someone who was so okay with me asking unlimited questions, just any question about anything. There were literally no limits. And like you said, for me, that sparked a special connection, which, which has been, yeah, an incredible source of inspiration um, for the last four or five years. Beautiful. Well, let's see where this inspiration will take us today. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so relating to self, this is what this is all about. When, when you hear that term, like what comes up for you? Hmm. Oh yeah, I guess the first thing that comes up is just that. How is my relationship with myself? How am I speaking to myself? How am I seeing the world? Um, what am I commenting on? What are my thoughts? How am I carrying myself through this experience? Is the first thing that comes up. Mm, that's really interesting. I, I like that you included how you experience the world. I see a relationship there between how you relate to yourself and what you believe about the world. And so your your lens, let's say. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, absolutely. I believe like how I am treating myself, if I was to imagine this internal dialogue with me and my thoughts are indeed two different people, then I imagine how that dialogue goes completely shapes however, whatever I do anywhere else. Mm. Like any relationship, if I 
have a fight with myself or if I argue with myself, the things that I go on to do for the rest of the day are inherently um, impacted by that argument, mm. by that setting. So yes, I believe it does very much affect how I relate with the world. Mm. I really like that perspective. Um, I think there's something there that could be explored more um, in this idea of you perceive what you are, you know, like the, the world appears to you um, through what you can experience because of how you see yourself in the world. And I guess that's not something we've, we've talked about on this podcast often yet, because it's been mostly about, you know, how people treat themselves and then how they treat themselves when perhaps faced with difficulties from the outer world. But this idea that your perception of the outer world actually changes with how you change your relationship with yourself is, is really interesting to me. Could you give me an example of something that you notice has changed in how you perceive it? because you've changed how you relate to yourself. Yeah, lots. <laughs> um, let's think of a simple one. If I wake up and I say to myself, like, now, Troy, you have to get things done today. It's time to get things done. That's the most important thing. So what are your tasks? Go engage in those tasks now. And then it gets to lunchtime and I say, Troy, you haven't done the task you were supposed to do. Um, maybe you want to dance. Maybe you want to take a walk. Maybe you want to take a break. But the most important thing is to do this task. Um, so now sit down and complete this task. If I treat myself like that, I'm going to let other people treat me like that too. So if then there's someone I work with and they say, Hey, Troy, you haven't done this task, complete this task. And I want, and I really feel like I want to go for a walk. I need space. I need a break. But they say this, I'm going to be much more likely to not see that as a threat, to not see that as non-loving, to not see that as non-supportive. Instead, I'll see that as normal, I guess. That's what I do to myself. And so I will accept that. And the difference is I wake up when I wake up and I say, Oh, I have lots of tasks to do, but first, how do I feel? What's my breath like? How's my body? How can I start getting in touch with where I am before anything I do externally? If someone else speaks to me in a similar way uh, or someone else speaks to me like the example before in joy, you need to get tasks done. I'm going to see that almost immediately as not helpful for me, not loving for me, not supportive for me. And then I will find it much easier to set boundaries. I will make, it'll be far easier for me to say, thank you for sharing. Right now I'm going to go take time and space for me. When I get back, I will attend to this task. And the difference for me has been, I've only been able to set those boundaries once I've changed um, the dialogue with myself. Mm, I really like this perspective of defining what is normal in how people treat you through how mm. you treat yourself. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. been a pot of gold too. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really curious if there's um, a specific instance that comes to mind that you think of, of a moment in which you loved yourself a lot and you express that beautifully 
through how you express yourself in the world? First, I want to bring light to the barking dog in the background. That's Mino. Hello, Mino. Welcome. <laughs> You're welcome here. You are loved. Um, oh, beautiful question. I went on a few different threads. Could you repeat the question for me, please? Yeah. If you have an example of a story or a moment that you feel that you love yourself so much that you express that in a beautiful way in the world so that you know it became apparent to everyone that you have a good relationship with yourself oh yes well, i guess it's, it's similarly tied to the example i gave before where setting boundaries almost any time i set boundaries in to put myself first or put my own self-care or my well-being first is always a pretty defiant, I feel, um, action declaring what is important to me. So someone wanting to share time and space with me where I feel like I want to be alone and I choose mm -hmm. to express that clearly when I don't say I'm busy or I don't say I have something to do, I say thank you so much, but I choose to spend time with myself right now. Um, I think those are pretty, I think from the outside that, that may look quite self-loving depending on what the person's relationship is with their self. <laughs> mm, so true. I like that last point. Um, that kind of communication will be perceived as perhaps hostile by people who don't have the ability to make those kind of boundaries. Yes, and indeed. that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything that is particularly difficult still for you when it comes to navigating your relationship with yourself? so much so much so much <laughs> i think what comes to mind is is this continual balance between becoming a quote-unquote better version of myself a more loving version of myself or whatever that happens to be balancing that like moving forward and wanting to grow with completely accepting exactly how I am and exactly who I am right now and not implying to myself that that needs to change. I find this is something that is like a real, like it's a tightrope balancing act um, almost every day that changes depend on my, depending on my mood and how I'm relating to myself at that time. But I find that is difficult because I mean, I don't know, I was, I don't know the answer to anything really, but this is even more so difficult because I have no idea what the goal is here. I have no idea what it feels like to truly love myself. Like I have some opinions and experiences based on what I have and times when I felt more soft and gentle inside and patient and kind and other times where it's felt more hostile and kind of edgy and nerve wracking. So I have some kind of conception of things that feel nicer and things that feel worse, but I continually ask myself, is this violent to see my behavior as needing to change? And, and that confuses me a lot and I enjoy spending time there, which can go down many, many different roads from here, but I'll let you 
Mm. Yeah, well, it, it's true that it, it is a bit of a paradox, this idea that you highlight between being in full acceptance of who we are and at the same time striving to become better. Um, like you, I have no answers, right? I, I know nothing. Um, I know that for myself, I navigate that by allowing myself to feel in each moment what exactly it is that I want to change about myself. And this change for me then doesn't feel as if it's driven by an unacceptance, but by a positive desire for something. Um, so yeah, that's just my way of navigating that. How does that yeah. land with you? Does that sound similar to your method? No, that's beautiful. That's quite insightful for me. Like this idea of, I guess it many times for me, it comes down to tension, like tension in my body, tension in my experience. And so, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense that in each moment, if I'm experiencing tension and I take action to move towards softening that tension, or I notice a kindness that can come in, I guess, I guess the one way to look at it would be I'm quote unquote changing myself. So could that be a violence? But the reality is in this present moment, I'm seeking to reduce tension, which I strongly mm -hmm. believe will then reduce suffering. And the more I reduce my own suffering, the more suffering I reduce for the people I interact with. So thank you. That's mm. beautiful. Yeah. Plus what comes up for me from what you just shared is something like change is inevitable, right? You're going to change anyway. So there is no violence I feel in mm. seeking change because change will happen no matter what. The only question is in which direction will it happen? And is there something you can do to perhaps choose a direction? choose a path. And I think that's a, a powerful kind of intentionality that you can bring to that process then. That's beautiful. I really, really, really like that. Mm. I really like that. Like it makes me feel like it's not necessarily, it's not just me choosing to adjust my behavior or become another version. It's everything. It's I am changing all the time. <laughs> and so it's more about for me how to direct that, in which direction do I want to send that? Um, and the more I send that towards being kind to myself, being patient to myself. Yeah, exactly. I think there's, there's something there about this idea of change being inevitable. And in the end, we know nothing, right? There's, there's so much stuff going on inside of ourselves that we have no access to subconsciously. And there is also such complexity in the world around us of what makes change happen. I don't think we can understand or control that process. So I feel something like the idea of surfing that wave and kind of like trying to keep your balance on a surfboard. I, I use this metaphor very lightly because I've never been on a surfboard in my <laughs> life, <laughs> but I know other people who, who talk about this in this way. And it's kind of this idea of like, you know, you're you're going to move no matter what, because the wave is there, you know, and, and you're on the board and you're trying to just, you're trying to enjoy it, I guess. I guess the, the metaphor there is in the beginning when you surf, it's all about surviving. Then <laughs> after a while, you, you enjoy being able to use this force, this movement um, to steer towards pleasure and joy, I guess. 
Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. That resonates so much to like my journey on healing trauma. Like at the beginning, it really is just about surviving. And then it becomes um, easier and easier, let's say, to direct towards the things that feel nice, the things that feel kind and away from the things that feel hurtful or harmful in some way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm interested. I'm curious. Um, do you have any kind of practices that allow you to improve your relationship with yourself? Beautiful question. Yes, many. Hmm. Oh, let's start there. The first one and the most important one is the one I just did, I guess. Um, taking an embodied breath. <laughs> Taking a deep breath. Making Can you tell me more about that? Just, yes. just to clarify what that is. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's something that I learned during a, a trauma healing course. And it's taking a big inhale. And on the exhale, I guess really there is no limits. I choose to make a sound, to make a sigh on the exhale, because I feel that vibration throughout my entire body. Mm -hmm. And so this big breath, I mean, I guess... Yeah, there is mindfulness connected to it. The simple awareness that I'm breathing thousands and thousands of times throughout the day, and I'm not aware of almost any of them. And being aware of one or two of them in a day just makes such a huge difference. I guess the difference it makes is I become aware of things that were happening that I wasn't aware of before, which has many loads and loads of positive um, benefits for me. And the vibration is really important for me because it makes it easier to feel my fingers, to feel my toes, to feel my knees, to feel my legs. And every split second I spend thinking or focusing on these things is brief moments that I'm not in my head, brief moments I'm not in the past and I'm not in the future. It, my body's always there. <laughs> so this helps me get space in my mind, which is the language I use, I guess, to say, to zoom out, let's say, to realize like, oh, I'm, I'm a human who's going to die. Mm. I am this inevitable like journey. And that helps me then move how this is connected to me for self-love is then how is my experience right now? How am I choosing to, to experience the world inside and out? Um, and that's the core question for me that, that everything self-loving has kind of come from this question that I'm literally choosing everything. So what is it that I'm choosing? And would I like to try something else, a uh, different out? Mm. And so the breath begins this process for me. I really like how you express that, you know, the body is always there. I think that's a very powerful statement and something that definitely I should take care to remember more often. Mm. Um, but then there's this other thing that you said about the vibration like literally the the vibration the sound you make on the exhale has a vibration and then you feel your body i feel that's quite closely related to um one of my ideas that actually gave a workshop about yesterday in the love for weeks a challenge which is the voice as the most powerful tool we have for change and for improving our relationship with ourselves mm -hmm. and i speak about that vibration as well because the also in speaking, just in saying words, 
expressing thoughts, bringing them into the world, making them physical, literally passes through this stage of feeling that vibration of what you're saying in your own body. And I think that's one of the steps um, that make the voice a really powerful instrument. So thank you for also bringing attention to that uh, with this embodied breath. I think that's a beautiful concept. But back to your practices, what, what else is there that you practice? Um, thank you for what you just mentioned. That's so beautiful. And I think this is one of the reasons why I truly love your meditation so much, especially mm. when there's the voice component in there. So much happens, so much happens. And another thing that came to mind for me the other day when I was doing one of them, I think it was the gratitude meditation is there are so many thoughts that are happening like all the time that are so against my will almost that are so happening automatically it's so it feels very empowering to choose words to say that i wouldn't normally say like sitting there by myself like i am kind to myself i think mm -hmm. when i when i heard that in one of your meditations i think i've said that to myself at least once almost every single day since I listened to that and what an impact, what an impact. Um, so yeah, thank you for mentioning. Oh, I, I love that. To give some context to people listening to this. So I also record meditations that I post on Insight Timer, which is a free app. Anyone can just go and listen to them. And in those meditations, I often use the voice by speaking aloud, speaking certain sentences. And so this particular meditation that Troy is referring to has this sentence, I am kind to myself. And indeed, that's a very powerful kind of experience to do that in a meditative state. Um, so thank you, Troy. Tell me more about your practices, because it sounds like you have quite a few. Yes. Um, there are a lot to do with the body, I, I realize now. Mm. Um, stretching. Stretching is, is so wonderful <laughs> for so many reasons, I guess. It, it's well, I can get, I, I guess, you know, stretching is nice, but how is it related to self-love and to relating to yourself? Yes. Great question. I guess I realized that presence for me, presence and self-love are so, so closely correlated. Mm -hmm. The more in the past and the future I am, the more I treat myself like my conditioning, the more in the present I am, the more I feel this free will to treat myself how I would like to. And that for me has been a core concept in my own self-love. And so stretching um, for me isn't like now do all of these different activities. It's, it's lie on the floor and start moving my body around and see where there are aches. Mm. Like that's what it is for me. That's my stretching practice. And it's phenomenal because I always find aches in an unexpected place. And I always find aches. And then it's almost like, how, how did you get there? What, why are you there? And as I start to do this, and as the ache starts to hurt, and then I find a way that I can really, really stretch it and naturally start to breathe deeper, like breathing through it. And this is um, like, I, I dance quite a lot and I've done lots of different sports. And so in anything, I guess, just taking big breaths while doing something with your body is very, very beneficial just for like the oxygen and blood flow in your body. And so as I'm doing this and as I'm stretching, it happens every time. And it happened just before this call when I was stretching, I set out to stretch. The beginning is to 
see where my body is and help my body feel a bit more nimble, a bit more flexible. And after a few minutes, when I found an ache and I'm sitting there and I'm breathing, I start to have this new clarity, this new feeling towards myself. I start to, my, the patterns of my thoughts change and they start to go some before maybe I'm very, especially if I do it as soon as I wake up, I'm very task oriented or thinking about things and thinking about how I'm going to move through my day and things like that. And once I've, I've taken a few breaths and sitting there and stretching, I start to go like, how are you, Troy? How, how do you feel? And I've noticed the more I do this, the more philosophical questions come in. Like if this was the last day that you had, what would you, what would you do from here on? And for me, it's never about then I need to go and enact those things. It's again, like I mentioned before, every split second I'm doing thinking these things or going through these things, I'm not in the past. I'm not in the future. And I love the past and I love the future. And I think they have amazing, I'm not against them at all. Um, but I am absolutely screwed without some of the present. <laughs> and when I say screwed, I mean, I am lost in anxiety. I am lost in nerves and I'm lost in my conditioning. So the stretching, I love it so much because I sometimes struggle to, sometimes I wake up and I go like, it would be so good for me to meditate. I don't feel like it. I'm not going to meditate, which is fine. And I love that. And I think I love stretching so much because it's a, it's an alternative. It's like, I don't really feel like meditating or whatever it is. It's, oh, I definitely want to move my body around a little bit. And I can be thinking super about work and I'm super there yet every time when I do this thing. So that enables me. So I guess I found the way that, that I feel less friction or the least friction to doing this thing. And then while I'm doing this thing, it then brings in this, this awareness and then the stealth love engine, I guess, for my day begins then which is so, so, so useful and, and shapes everything I do. It almost sounds to me as if your stretching routine resembles something like a meditation for the body instead of like a meditation for the mind. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that sounds so self-loving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can relate. I can relate to what you said about, you know, sometimes waking up and wanting to meditate, but not feeling like it. I had that this morning actually, because I had a headache and I was like, I don't feel so great, a bit nauseous, but then I don't have an alternative. So I still sit down and meditate and I just try to not enjoy, but kind of like accept this different state that I'm in and, and see what comes up in that state. And that is still helpful. But I think having an alternative an, another, I guess, another entryway to the same place might be really valuable for me. So I'm, I feel a lot of resistance when it comes to stretching, <laughs> but maybe there's something else I can find. Mm, beautiful. That's really true. Hey, that's, that's actually sparking a lot of things in my mind now. How many other things are, is it about having alternatives? How helpful that is to having different alternatives to getting to the same place. And I feel now the more alternatives I have that I've intentionally created in the present, or let's say, my more self-loving version has created, the more options I have to engage with the way I would like to be engaging with myself in the world now, instead of falling back on conditioning, because that's the only alternative, right? It's not random. <laughs> All of the other things I do, which are unself-loving, come from my conditioning. <laughs> right. So it sounds like your base level of being 
is in this conditioning and in past and future and projection. And you use a lot of different techniques to come back to the present moment and to your body and to how you feel now. And that's kind of like the basis of your experience of relating to self. Mm. Yes. I'm resistant to that statement because it seems the only, and I noticed the resistance comes from some kind of idea that like I planned it that way. It was in no way planned. And so what's important, I think why that, that is resisting me for, I guess, this, this new mode of survival in a self-loving way is um, they will always change. Like we're speaking about change later. So yes, I believe that has, and yet when I hear that, I feel some attachment to like, wow, that is something that's helping me. And I know for myself, the best thing is no, just treat every single day. Like there could be a completely new thing, um, something else that could happen, or I could wake up and not want to do any of these things anymore. And what I want is my habit is to not freak out that I'm now losing the habits when I need to create the habits. I want my, uh, the habit I want to create for myself is that I see that as an opportunity to discover something new. So that's where my resistance comes from. But I agree. Yes. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, it feels like there's a lot of compassion in what you say. Compassion with yourself for, you know, not sticking to whatever you've decided is good for you, but being real about what's true in this moment and then finding out in this moment what it could be that would help you. And uh, yeah, that feels very compassionate and that's beautiful. Mm, thank you for re reflecting that. I am mm. very happy that is happening inside of myself. That mm. resonates. That's really interesting though. I, I'm a big fan of practices and habits, as you know, um, sitting down from a meditation every morning and then journaling every morning and so on. And I wonder now if there's an element in there also of a certain violence, I guess you could say, where you kind of like expect yourself to do that every single day. And then the, the compassion comes in, in the moment where you notice or realize when these things are not what you want, when, when there's too big of a resistance. And I guess for me, the question there is like, what does it mean to have too big of a resistance? Because there's often resistance that I, that I know I can just work through easily and then the question becomes how much resistance do i need to compassionately decide that i will not engage in the practices that i believe are helpful so that's a really good another one of those paradoxes i think that that we keep finding our way in yes absolutely and that ties into what we're speaking about before like if we then do we or for myself i guess do i then renegotiate that there are different levels of tension and some levels of tension I accept and I believe are good and it's needed to quote unquote break through my conditioning or there's some tension and then there's some level of tension which I feel like pushing past this is is inherently violent mm. um I wonder it's a mm. <laughs> it's a paradox <laughs> yeah well, it brings up to me this um rule who you also know was on was on this podcast conversation lovely man Yes. And, and he had this um, really interesting question, which was something like, do you feel that sometimes numbing can be an intentional, beautiful act of self-love? Because, you know, sometimes we, we look for 
things to do just to not have to feel how we feel. And I thought about that and I told him, yes, I think indeed it can be. I think if you, if you sit with some of those tensions for too long, then maybe just taking a break, not, not solving the tensions, but just taking a break from feeling them can be a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I guess, again, it becomes all about whether or not you do that then intentionally, if you choose to do that. And I gave the example for me that was like choosing to watch Netflix for a while, you know, but if, if it is something you do without thinking about it, then it becomes like a bad habit to just numb yourself. So I think there's value there in this compassionate attitude towards how you navigate your own practices. Mm, absolutely. There resonates so much. That's such a great question, Maru. Um, and for me, yeah, that ties in directly to like my trauma healing. It was all about that. It was about like, I am like this way and I feel these anxieties and I get triggered this way because of experiences that happened that were too much to hold in the moment. And the only solution was to numb, was mm. to segment myself from those emotions and from those feelings. And so in the process of bringing them back and experiencing them again and holding them, um, I absolutely needed to and wanted to be compassionate with the fact that it's probably not going to be now I see them and now I can heal them and go through them. Mm. It's probably going to be, I can let in a tiny bit and then I will need to numb again or not even need to, I will be compelled to. And so can I have compassion uh, while that's happening? And that's been such a beautiful self-love feeling like seeing, like you mentioned the Netflix example, there's nothing more beautiful than for me, at least than seeing a thing that I would, potentially judge as non-productive, non-helpful as escaping. And then saying like, you can have this Troy, like Mm. go and enjoy this. That's just so beautiful. So beautiful. So great example. I love that. Like that. Tell me um, if there's one thing you could change about how you relate to yourself, what would that be? That's a difficult question because I can change anything. So you ask. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, it's, it's a hypothetical. So um, if there was one thing that I could change, what would it be? I would like to expand on this. The first thing that comes up is my, my goal, I guess you could say for this year, be kinder to myself, be more patient to myself. This, these, this is my mantra. This is what I'm moving towards or where I am, I guess, and whatever level it has, um, I hope that it continues to increase. So Hmm. I guess something I would like to change Um, But again, it's something that exists a bit, so it's not completely changed, but to enhance is my awareness of the fact that I'm going to die. Mm. The the depth at which I can sit with that and be with that. Because what came up when you asked the question was, well, something I realized right now in my life is I would like to realize even more so how it's not about the people around me. It's not about the people I'm getting triggered around and with. It's about me, my relationship with myself, what that's sparking in me, what, is the, what that's creating, what that's bringing up in me from my past. And so my feeling was I would like to even more so be aware and be in myself and be engaging with other people in a loving, kind, patient way 
while also holding the fact that it's a part of me that feels offended, that feels hurt by this person, which is an illusion projection for me. And for me, the way to do that comes down to really, really acknowledging the fact that I'm going to die. Mm. For me, like that death means, when I imagine like the moment of death, I imagine <laughs> like that everyone was just on their own journey. Every single human was just on their own journey, including me. And how was it? Like, how was my journey? Like, how was your journey, Troy? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? No judgment, but how was it? And so the more I sit with this, the more I contemplate this inevitable death, um, the more it helps me realize how much this is just my journey, how much <laughs> this is all mine <laughs> and I can choose what to do with it. And even just thinking of that word death, I think instantly creates more space for me to be more compassionate for others around me, more compassionate for their triggers, for their traumas, and more compassionate with the truth I believe, which is they don't actually want to do harm. Mm. I really like that. I wonder though, in what way do you contemplate death? Like, do you have a certain kind of like a practice or a ritual there? Like, or do you just sit down and think about death? How does that work? Great. I think generally I just <laughs> sit down and think about death. I guess it becomes more and more apparent. The more nervous I get, the more triggered I get, that becomes, it's like my guiding light. I guess you could say like the thing that, I sit with when it becomes quote unquote too much for me when things become very difficult. Um, so it's probably a habit now. And when I contemplate or what it is I'm contemplating is in the moment that this body stops functioning, everything, everything I would have thought will, will, and this is my language. I know this will bring out different things in different people. But for me, the feeling is knowing that everything was irrelevant. But for me, this is very positive. This is very good. This is very soothing for the way I see this and I interpret this. Um, and I'd be interested to know how other people interpret this. But so for me, it's okay. So based on that fact that everything will be completely irrelevant um, and seeing that I had, I had, infinite opportunities to make so many different decisions, so many choices. There was just, wow, what a complex, what a complex thing, that journey of life. Like how complex was that? Like, wow. Um, when I imagine that, then it makes it very simple for me to come back to this moment right now and going like, wow, I'm still on this journey mm -hmm. right now. I'm on the journey. How's it going? How are the decisions I'm making? How are the ways I'm choosing to act, uh, choosing to interact with myself and others? And yeah, that usually begins a conversation about the tension I'm experiencing in that moment. And then it gives me this, this zoom out that makes it a lot more manageable for me, a lot easier to contemplate these very difficult things when I know like, ah, oh, and I'm going to die. So how important is this thing? How important do I want this thing to be? Um, knowing that beautiful yeah i really like that really high level perspective of life as a tool to bring clarity about what's important 
Um, I think that's a, a beautiful practice to have. Before we end this conversation, Troy, I have one more question that is a bit of a, a weird question, I guess. But um, besides everything I've asked you, what is the one question that you would have loved to receive? Great question. It's one of my favorite questions that I've heard podcasts. Um, what does self-love? Um, what would my definition of self-love be? Yeah. Cool. Um, please enlighten us. What is your definition of self-love? Cool. This changes every week. So, <laughs> so um, this will be different very, very soon. You'll be back on the podcast. <laughs> for my next version. But I thought it was really interesting what popped up, which is um, for me, self-love is doing the difficult work of rewriting my conditioning to be free of violence. And that gave me a lot of new insights and a lot of uh, new excited energy around like, oh, there's lots, there's lots to, to sit with here. Beautiful. I like that definition. Mm. Thanks for the question. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> well, Troy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I really enjoyed hearing your point of view about relating to self. Um, is there anything that you would like to share with people who listen? Uh, where can people find you or what is it that you can offer them? Beautiful. Thank you so much for the time. It's such a pleasure to chat with you. Um, yes, but it's not about me. I'm in incognito mode. I would <laughs> like to ask that. Well, I wouldn't. It's not about asking. I would highly recommend that people take a bit of time engaging in what you're doing. You are the person who has by far taught me the most about having a healthy, supportive relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. You are the first person in my life who I built and have an incredibly healthy, supportive relationship with. So when it comes to talking, the, like walking the talk, man, you are, <laughs> you're ahead of the game there. And I just find like your capacity to hold so many different realities and be so open-minded to the possibility that everything exists. And then in that complexity, find such beautiful, simple concepts that rarely for me relate to anyone. I've yet to meet a person who doesn't relate with these very simple concepts about relating to yourself, about how, what a healthy relationship looks like. And that's what I appreciate the most about you. And that's what I learned from the most about you is this can be so simple. This can be so, 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 so simple. And it takes someone first to do the work though, to get to that place through all that muddy water to get on the other side and then reflect and see and redefine those difficult things into simple concepts that people can digest and move through. Like for me, you are an absolute master at that. And the, I mean, you are just by far one of the biggest reasons I love myself why I take care of myself, why I am compassionate to myself. And thanks to that, 
I am so loving to those around me. I am so compassionate to those around me. And so I would highly recommend anyone who resonates with any of the stuff that we've spoken about to engage in your work, to follow relating to self, to listen to the meditations, just as a, you know, just as like dipping a toe into what this world means and what this means to have a relationship with yourself. I, I already do recommend everyone I know to your work. And um, yeah, I really recommend, I will continue to recommend, I believe for, for a long time onwards. So thank you so much for everything you do and so excited for the direction you're going in. So excited that the world is beginning to hear this stuff, which I've been so privileged to hear in private for the last four years. Oh, thank you so much, Troy. That is, I, I have no words. Um, yes, thank you. I, I will post a few links wherever appropriate, where people can right. sign up for my Maybe the meditation I mentioned. Yes, yes, definitely. We'll do that. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Troy. Have a wonderful continuation of your day. And I'm sure that you will be back on this podcast at some point. <laughs> thank you so much dear it was so much fun and i cannot wait to speak to you whether it's on this podcast or anywhere else i can't wait to continue this conversation with you if you've enjoyed this conversation please subscribe to the podcast you can also read more of my thoughts on twitter i will post a link in the description and if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.